0: Good morning. Good morning. Um, before we get into the scripture passage today, I uh, want to say a couple of things. The first is I'm getting over a case of the flu, and so uh, my voice was not great before the 8.15 service this morning, and now having done this for the fourth time, if coughing starts I'm going to be okay. I'm taking throat lozenges, but if my voice completely goes out in this. Um, We'll ju- you'll just have to know the rest of the sermon's really good. You just, you just won't be able to hear it, okay? Uh, start- it started going a little bit at 11, so hopefully it'll hold out for a bit longer. Um, and maybe God just is trying to teach me to get shorter in my sermons, so we'll see. The second thing that I want to say is to give a word of thanks to you, to this congregation, and to the leadership of this church, uh, because my family and I were given a great gift uh, for this holiday season. It's a gift that most pastors uh, don't ever get. And um, and the gift was, is that we were able to go and to experience Christmas and New Year with my wife's family in Wales, in Great Britain. Uh, I have the kind of job that, uh, going somewhere for Christmas doesn't work and you don't want it to work. Like Christmas Eve, I can't tell you, and I mean this in all genuine seriousness, I miss so much being here for Christmas Eve. That is one of the high points of the year for me. But, One of the dreams that Beth and I have had is that to have one Christmas where our kids, where we got to go and to experience a Christmas with her family in Wales in Great Britain. They've never done that before. Uh, And we got to do that this past year. And when we took the idea to the leadership of the church, um, uh, they enthusiastically supported and, in, 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 and said, we want you to go, we want you to go and do that. And as people in the, in the congregation found out, you all were so gracious in that. Uh, it was a gift. It was a gift for my girls who are 13 and 11 to go and have a Christmas with their grandparents in Wales uh, and with their aunt in Wales, best sister. Um, and so that was very special. But what was unexpectedly special about it was that, that my girls got to experience the traditions Beth grew up with uh, in a very personal way. Uh, And I think that this is true in anyone's life. This is definitely true in our life, but it's true in everybody's life. There are certain moments when you have to make decisions and you know that they're monumental decisions. Right, like where am I gonna go to school? Or what job do I want to accept? Or should I say yes to marrying this person or not? You all have had these, you will have them in life. And there are moments when you realize, it's like man, my life is turning on this decision. Well, we had to make one of those early on in our marriage because Beth is from, Great Britain, and I'm from the States, and we met and we're, got married when we were living in Japan. Is, you know, like what continent do we want to live on? That was like a that was decision number one that we had to make. And we felt led to come and to study and to be here in the States. And God has blessed us in so many ways. It's been wonderful and we are grateful for that. But you don't realize sometimes the ripple effects of those decisions. And part of the ripple effects of that decision is that our children really don't understand a lot about the world their mother grew up in as a coal miner's daughter in a small town in Wales. I mean, Beth didn't own a, her family didn't own a car until she was 14, because you just walk everywhere in this little village. Um, And it's just so different. And so when we go and visit, we normally go visit over the summer, which is sort of a downtime. This is the first time ever our kids got to go into a time and step into the times that Beth could look at them and say, this is what I did as a little girl. And now you're getting to experience that too. And that was so cool for me to get to be a part of that and to watch that. I'm gonna tell you just one quick example of that because it was really, I thought it was really special. we didn't go we didn't have a Christmas Eve service like you have here in the states. Um, we We had a Christmas morning service that's where we went and it's in this little village, and Beth lives. Her family lives in the same little house that she grew up in the village is like two streets big. And so there's one little chapel and that's where everybody goes. And so on Christmas morning, we walked to chapel and because our family was there from Texas, the attendance like tripled in size. We had like eight, there were seriously, there were 18 people in the worship services and they started apologizing because they ran out of hymnals. Like we weren't expecting this many people because it's just this little village. And we walked in, well, as we're walking down the street to go, there's this older um, woman just kind of very dressed and and dignified and, and, and lovely. And she got so excited when she saw us and Beth said, oh, it's Phyllis. turns out Phyllis is a woman who's now in her 80s who was Beth's Sunday school teacher when Beth was a little girl. And Phyllis got to meet our kids and got to stand next to us in worship and got to hear about Beth now working in a church in America and what the, it was like, and she started telling the girls stories about Beth and Christmas pageants when Beth was a little girl. And it was like so cool for our children to get to be a part of that. I say all that to you because I have many friends who are pastors that could not believe that I worked at a church that enthusiastically endorsed us going and doing that. Because they're like, man, my church would never think about letting us leave for Christmas Eve. They said it enough times that I started getting a little paranoid, it's like, (laughs) They're like, I can't believe they're letting you go. Are you secure there? I'm like, I don't know, I thought I was, I don't know. I feel like it's going okay, but I don't know, maybe it's not. And it was so neat to say, yeah, that's some of what makes Covenant special. That you guys are the kind of place that the enthusiasm, the leadership of this church showed. And I'm grateful to John and Jill and the rest of the staff who worked really, really hard to cover the holidays. So I just wanted to start by saying thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being the kind of place that celebrated us going and having the Christmas we did. So thank you very much. All right. Um, The first scripture passage that we're going to look at today really is taking us into the start of this year. And there's all kinds of discussions about, you know, New Year's resolutions and are they a good thing to do? Are they not a good thing to do? I, 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 I know that most of us don't keep them. I realize that. I know that that's one of the arguments. Oh, why do you do this? It doesn't matter. Well, in our world, I'm always a fan anytime people stop and say, hey, let's think about intention about how we're living, right? Like, I'm just a fan of that. I think we move so fast in our world, we're so busy, we're so many times focused on achievement and what comes next and what are we gonna do, that I'm kind of a fan anytime we stop and go, let's think about the decisions we're making. Let's think about what's healthy, let's think about the patterns in our life. So, I'm a fan of kind of New Year's being a time to act intentionally. And and so we try to act intentional about what we talk about in January, where we're gonna go as a church, uh, because what we don't wanna do is major in the minors. We don't wanna sit there and kind of like talk about the little things in January. So this new scripture passage and this new series we're getting into today, to us gets at the very heart of what it means to be living an abundant life, living the kind of life God wants us to live. It's about how we're connected to each other. It's about community, and it's ultimately about love. The scripture passage that we're going to work through over the next six weeks, it's one chapter of the Bible. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and if you've never come to church before, or you don't read the Bible very much, I promise you that this is probably going to sound somewhat familiar to me. This is one of the more well-known passages of scripture, and we're not going to actually bring it up today. I'm just going to read the first eight verses of 1 Corinthians 13. Okay, as we begin our Love Is series. This is what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, as we start this new year, we pray that you would help us to be people who understand your call to the basic principle of love and that we would mine the depths of what it means to be people who receive and give love so that all might flourish. We pray for your leading and guiding for us all of this day. And over the course of this series, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So in the first three verses, we see here that Paul um, immediately begins by saying that if we don't have love in our lives, that we're missing the whole point of why we're here. And I think it's interesting that the, the most likely where you've heard that passage before has been associated with weddings. I think the apostle Paul would find that fascinating Because I think he'd sit there and go, well, yeah, I mean, I guess you could work at a wedding, but it it applies to friendships just as much as marriages. It applies to how you're to be in in your neighborhood just as much as each other. It applies to how you're supposed to interact with your children or to interact with your parents. It applies to all relationships. All relationships that we are called to have are meant to be founded upon the principle of love. So sure, read it at a wedding, but why does it get limited to that? He didn't write it. For married couples. This isn't, a, this isn't a series for if you're married or if you're single. It's not a series for whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. It's not a series for for um, one certain age and stage of life. What Paul's writing about here is saying that being involved in relationships that are built upon the principles of love is what life is about. Jesus says the same thing in the Gospels when he's asked a question by an attorney: what is the most important commandment, Lord? Jesus had over 600 laws to choose from, 600 commandments from the Old Testament that he could pick from to say what's most important. And Jesus says the most important thing is to love, to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says the same as Paul. If you're not doing that, it doesn't matter what other rules you're following, you're missing the entire point of why you're here. And this isn't just the Bible science psychology teaches us the exact same things it tells us that if we're not in webs of intimate relationships and meaning that we are going to suffer it tells us that, that if you take a child for example a small child and if that child is not raised in an environment where they know that they are loved and accepted that it has scars that will stay with them for the rest of their life it's that essential to our well-being as human beings That we know that we are loved and that we are part of communities where we receive and where we give love. And yet while the Bible teaches us this, while the teachings of the Bible are very clear about it, while the teachings of psychology and science in these areas are absolutely clear in this, I would argue with you that science is showing us that in our culture today we are actually getting worse at being able to live this out. It shows us that we are more and more isolated emotionally from each other than maybe we've been at any point in history. There have been studies that were published recently that say that men are are especially susceptible susceptible to this in our culture today because we're so busy and we have so many responsibilities and we're so important and we're da-da-da-da-da and we don't know how to relate to each other anymore until we are walking around as men and women who are incredibly busy and yet we feel alone much of the time. And so this is where we want to begin because the words of the Bible need to wash over us that say, this is why we're alive, for connection. You were made for connection with other people and without it, your heart will be restless no matter what else you have or achieve or do. Connections based on love. Now all I wanna do this morning is to try to define what it is we mean when we say that we are built for love and for connections and for community because English is a rather unsophisticated language when it comes to talking about love because we have a big umbrella that that love can cover, right? And so I wanna be really clear that, that when Paul writes here about love is patient, love is kind, he's speaking about a very specific kind of love. So we need to define it today, all right? In English, we we can say love means many things. I'm gonna give you an example. Here are two factually true statements based on love. Statement number one, I love ice cream. I do. This is a true statement. I love specifically mint chocolate chip ice cream. Mint chocolate chip ice cream is part of the proof for me that God exists in the world and loves us in creation. right? I love mint chocolate chip ice cream. It's a true statement. Statement number two, God so loved the world that he sent his only son, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Again, true statement built around the verb love, totally different meaning, right? Is it true that I love chocolate ice cream? Yes, is that at any level comparable to the love that God has for you? Not at all, but it's the same word we use. Other languages and cultures looked at this and like, maybe we should have different words for this. English, we're like, yeah, we're just calling it love. So we need to define what it is we're talking about. In the New Testament, in the Bible, the New Testament was actually written in, in ancient Greek. And in ancient Greek, there's three different words that we just look at and are like, yeah, we're gonna call it love, okay? Three different words, and Paul's only writing about one of them. Here's the first word in Greek. First word that we just translate as love. The first word is filio. Filio means brotherly love, sisterly love. It means familial love. And the Bible says this is a very real form of love. It's very important. City Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, it's it's two Greek words. And the prefix of that, philio, means familial love, city of brotherly love, that's where it comes from. Very real kind of love, our connection with each other. The second word that we see in Greek that we just translate again as love is eros which is pretty self-explanatory, what kind of love that we're talking about there. Song of Solomon, if you've read that in the Old Testament, eros love is what's going on. Romantic love, again, a very valid, very real form of love that the Bible talks about. We've made the mistake of thinking that it's most likely eros love that Paul's talking about when he he writes 1 Corinthians 13. That's why we read at weddings. Love is patient, love is kind. Look at this couple, they're in love. They'll always be patient and kind with each other because they're in love, and that's what it's about, Well, Paul would say, yes, these are both real kinds of love, filio love, but filio is not what he uses in the passage we just read. Eros, yes, that's real, but that's not the kind of love he's talking about here. The word in Greek that Paul is writing about in 1 Corinthians 13 is not filio love, it's not eros love. The word is agape, agape love. And in the Bible, agape love is the purest form of love that exists. This is the love that Paul's talking about. This is what you're built for. This is what you're meant to experience. He says, without this kind of love, you are missing the point. And agape love is unique in that it is a love that presupposes action. It's not just a feeling. See, when most of us think about being in love, it's about a feeling, an emotion we're going to have. And that's an okay thing, and that's a good thing, but emotions come and go. Agape love isn't about do you feel it only. Agape love is feeling that turns into action or as Bob Goff writes his book about, love does. It leads to action. And the action is defined as serving and sacrificing for. The question Paul is posing in 1 Corinthians 13 and the question that we are gonna sit in today is really about the question of do you know who you're called to serve? That's what you're made for. That's what you're made for. Not to just receive love. Not go, oh, how do I go find that kind of love because I want that kind of love to make me feel big. It's about, no, it's about how do we begin by saying, who do I love? Who do I serve? See, the the Christian faith works in this upside down way. You want to find life, you have to die to yourself. You want to have love? It's not about where do I go get it. It's about how do I give it? And it's in giving and it's in serving that we find meaning and we find fulfillment. It's about laying ourselves down for another and realizing that in the end, it wasn't a sacrifice at all. This is the question that we're gonna be asking is how do we exist in those kinds of networks of relationships and how do we cultivate the desire in ourselves to love and to serve? Friends, there's gonna be opportunities to experience this and to explore this in different ways. I hope that you saw on the way in today, for example, that we're going to try to figure out again and again, how do we do this better and better in small pockets of community? We have a large church with four different worship services, and sometimes it can be tempting to just be a part of a crowd. But the goal of community is not to just be part of a crowd, but to be a part of pockets of intimacy. And so one of the things that I hope you saw on the way in is an opportunity to get involved with small groups. It's been a year since we've done a big push for small groups. And while there are hundreds of us at Covenant that are involved in small group ministry now, there are many, many more of us who are not. This is one way that we can begin gathering together in intentional ways. And if you've never experienced this before, maybe if you tried and it didn't work before, what we're signing people up for is a short-term commitment to begin next month just for six weeks in a guided journey of what pockets of real intimate community and small groups can look like. And then you can decide if you want to continue on or not. There's gonna be people next week who are gonna be outside before this service talking to people about that. You can learn more, you can experience more and see what it's like. The beauty of not just being a part of a crowd but being a part of a community, a real community based on love. How to pray for each other, walk with each other, listen to one another, journey together. Also, there's another opportunity, even though we said that we don't want this to only be about marriage, we are gonna be focusing on marriage as one aspect of how we are called to love this way. On Saturday, January 27th at four o'clock here in this room, Todd and Beverly Sandell are gonna be coming into town from Atlanta, Georgia, and they're gonna be leading a marriage workshop. Todd and Beverly are people that I've been in partnership with for over a decade. They are some of the most amazing people and as a husband and wife team, they have traveled literally around the world talking to people, not about magic formulas for marriage, I don't trust that stuff, but about how to cultivate the values of intimacy and agape love in your relationships with each other. Because I know that all of you are better people than me, but sometimes the hardest people to show true love to are the ones closest to you. It's easier when I see people for once a week To be like, oh, you're such a giving person. Like, I know. It's easy one one hour a week for me to act that way. It's harder when I see you every day till I still wanna serve. But that's the path to intimacy and joy. And if you're sitting there right now going, yeah, I don't know if our marriage really needs that, you're probably at the top of the list of the people that do, (laughs) right? We have over 50 couples that have already signed up to come and be a part of this. And if you go afterwards, you'll see in the registration form, you have to have a dinner reservation. You're gonna send you out on a date afterwards to to go out. It's gonna be a wonderful, wonderful afternoon and evening. We hope that you'll come and participate. But lastly and finally, as we begin this journey to experiencing and living in these kinds of networks of loving relationships, what our most fervent prayer is for each of you and for each of us is that we realize that the origins of this love don't come from ourselves. The origins of this true nature of sacrificial love come from God. The purest form of love that the world has never seen has ever seen is not from a Shakespearean sonnet. It's not from Romeo and Juliet. It's not from any Hollywood film that you've ever seen. It's, it's sometimes as wonderful as those can be. The purest form of love the world has ever seen took place on a cross outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And life has sprung from that place that you don't have to discipline yourself to become more loving, but that the first step is to receive the love that God has for you. And to be open to how you can reflect that love to the world. And for that reason, there is no better place for us to end this service today than at this table. Because this table and this feast, if anything, is a table that exhibits what pure love is all about. We read in the scriptures, and we see what love looks like. When in the midst of a meal, a Passover meal that Jesus was having with his friends, he took bread, as I do now in his name, and after giving thanks for it, he blessed it and he broke it, and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Take it. Eat of it. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, at the same meal, he took a cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant. It is sealed in my blood. It is shed for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, he said, do this also always in remembrance of me. Because whenever you eat of this bread and whenever you drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's saving death until he comes again. And come again he shall in love to make all things new. These are the gifts of God given for you and for me, his beloved children. Amen? Let's say a prayer and then we'll have a chance to come forward and to celebrate in this feast. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask that the example of love that comes from you would wash over us today. That as we come forward, we wouldn't just be going through a ritual that we've done on a regular basis of taking communion because this is what we do, but that we would hear the words that you sacrifice for us because you love us that we would feel our value in your eyes as people worth giving yourself for and that we would experience the hope that that love brings about in each of our lives. May your love dwell mightily within us today and may it send us from this place different than the way we walked in. We ask for your blessings and your presence and your love to fill us to overflowing this day and always, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.